My name is Rebecca, and I'm owned by two cats, B.B. King and Etta James. But they've been traumatized in the past, and they asked me not to bring them today. Um, I was considering writing a sermon for the animals about sin, but the only one I could come up with may be gluttony. And uh, there's nothing they can do about that. But I did bring a letter that someone else wrote to, um, uh, to dogs and cats. Um, it's about behavior. The dishes with the paw prints are yours and contain your food, and the other dishes are mine and contain my food. Please note that placing a paw print in the middle of my plate does not claim that, stake a claim that that belongs to you. The stairway was not designed by NASCAR and is not a racetrack. Beating me to the bottom is not the object, and tripping me doesn't help because I can fall faster than you can run. (laughs) I cannot buy anything bigger than a king-size bed. I'm very sorry about this. Do not think that I will continue sleeping on the couch forever. Dogs and cats can actually curl up in a ball when they sleep. It's not necessary to sleep perpendicular to each other, stretched out to the fullest extent. (laughs) I also know that sticking the tail straight out and your nose, I mean your tongue out the other end, uh, to maximize space is nothing but sarcasm. For the last time, there is not a secret exit from the bathroom. If by some miracle I beat you there and manage to get the door shut, it's not necessary to claw and whine and meow and try to get your paw under the edge and try to pull the door open. I must exit through the same door I entered. And I've been using this bathroom for years, and canine and feline attendance is not mandatory. (laughs) Okay, and to uh, my pets, I have posted a message on the front door of the house. It says, to all non-pet owners who visit and like to complain about pets, number one, they live here, you don't. Number two, I like my pets a lot better than I like most people. (laughs) Number three, to you it's an animal. To me, it's an adopted son or daughter who's short and hairy and walks on all fours and doesn't speak very clearly. And number four, if you don't want hair on your clothes, stay off the furniture. (laughs) That's why they call it furniture. Elizabeth Just and Pepper could not be with us this morning, and so um, I hope we'll all keep Elizabeth in our thoughts that neither one of them are feeling well, she said. Um, As an outreach to the community, our church has begun a new tradition. Every second Sunday of the month, 
we give away the plate, that is, all of the cash and the other non-pledged donations, to a local service or advocacy organization. The congregation voted on the recipients and the order in which they would receive our gifts. And it was the happiest of circumstances that Animal Welfare Incorporated came up as today's recipient. Gloria Freeman, the president of the organization, is here to tell us a little bit about what they do. First, a couple of little housekeeping details. If you came with checks and no cash, you can make out an additional check to Animal Welfare Incorporated. If you came with only one check and you think, oh my goodness, what a dilemma, um, but you want to contribute, you may make out your check for the total amount of your pledge plus your contribution and just denote in the memo line which portion of the check is allotted to each. And, and we can make that happen for you. We try to make it easy. Please help me to welcome Gloria Freeman. I'm really pleased to be here today. It's always a pleasure to come, and it's always a pleasure to be invited. I've been with Animal Welfare since 1981. We started in 1979. Probably our biggest thing that we do is we help seniors and elderly, uh, lower-income families pay to spay and neuter their pets. We pay out three, around $3,000 a month to help do the surgeries. doesn't pay for all of it, but it takes a little bite off the edge. We also do rescue. Uh, there's a few of us that gathered and we decided we wanted to be known as a no-kill shelter. We're very limited as to what we can take in. Currently, we've got about 50 animals on our website. All of them are fostered in individual homes. So if you're looking for a pet, we certainly can probably find one. Uh, we try to help the community wherever we can. We get probably 500 calls a month easily, people asking for help or questions or uh, you know, they might need help with their pets or they might have a question on pet care. Doesn't matter. We try to help them. We do transports all over the country as far as getting pets to their new homes or into rescue. We, uh, we get a volunteer to drive 50 or 100 miles and then we'll hand off the pet to another person. It's like a train across the country to get animals to different places and it's a lot of fun as well. We've been doing this a long time. We enjoy it. It sort of becomes part of your life just like the church does, and it's all for the animals. That's what we try to remember. We all have our disagreements sometimes, but we try to remember the only reason we're doing it is to help the critters, and that's why it's so great to be here today. Well, there is a slight problem with accepting the gifts of the people and that there are no baskets up here. So if someone would get the baskets for me, I will take just a second to tell you about uh, something else that I had forgotten to, uh, to um, put the literature out front and to, and to remind you of. In your newsletter this month is something about LSORT. LSART is the Louisiana State Animal Response Team. They are looking for volunteers willing to work in mega shelters um, in times of evacuations, like before when we had the um, Katrina evacuees up here. This will allow more people to be able to come with their pets. If they're staying in one of the large shelters, their pets can stay in the mega shelter. The owners will have access to the pets so that they can go take care of them. And there's a website, lsart, L-S-A-R-T, dot org. Um, they would appreciate You have to fill out an application there and go through training 
they would really appreciate that. And now, in honor of this wonderful place where we all recognize our place together in the interdependent web of all life, we'll accept the gifts of the people. Good morning. I'm going to tell you about my animals. <laughs> people, that, their kids are grown, and you go to talking about your pets. And I'm Okay. Smut, Nancy, Dave, Rex, Little Bit, Binky, Billy Carter, Winston, Keita, Buster, Winky, Chipper, Little Horse. These are the names of just a few of the pets that our family has loved who are no longer with us. Each one of these names bring back unique, fond, and loving memories. Binky was a rat terrier, or terror, I might add, who tried to keep motorcycles and Volkswagens and pickup trucks and postmen away from our house. He is the reason that I still have a post office box. <laughs> 35 years after his death. A uh, little bit is my was my uh, 19-year-old cat who taught my grandchildren to say "mean kitty," and she she was. She died in my arms at the vet. She truly had nine lives. Billy Carter was a Russian blue manx cat, and we paid a reward once when he got lost. And Winky liked to sleep on top of my car. And I've driven off down the street with him on top before he would jump off. Uh, now, Little Horse was a Shetland pony, and he was a pet uh, also, that my father-in-law kept down in the country for my kids, for the kids. Uh, she kept breaking out of the pasture, and we had to go and get her and do something with her because she, she just wouldn't stay in. So we brought her to Bozier. We didn't live in the city limits at the time, uh, but we brought her to our house and put her in the backyard until we could decide what in the world we were going to do with her. Uh, we had a cyclone fence. and uh, But she managed to open the back door, and she came in the house. She ate a dried flower arrangement and some brownies that were on the table. <laughs> and left muddy hoof prints on the shag carpet. The kids called me at work and said, Little horse is in the house! Cause, so that got a lot of attention, too. Smut was my dog that I had when I was about 12 years old. I loved him more than anything, and I went off to camp one summer and came home, and he'd got run over while I was gone. I grieved that dog for many years. I'd go sit by his grave and talk to him. Now, Baby Kitty is my present house feline. Four years ago, when I went to Yellowstone for the summer, we communicated by mail. I wrote letters to her, and I received letters from her. Now, Becca wrote what she dictated, and she said she had trouble holding a pen and her paws were too wide, causing multiple typing errors. <laughs> Seriously, though, 
I've always had friends with four legs, and they have always been there for me when I needed them. And believe me, I've needed their help and everybody else's to get me this far in my life. I have cried with, with and for my four-legged friends. I've shared grief, and I've been sad with them. I've also shared happiness, and I have trusted them with my most intimate secrets, knowing they are worthy of my trust. Now, this is Toby. He's hiding over here, and he's my constant companion, my best friend. And I tell him my feelings, both emotional and physical, and he never tells me to shut up that he's tired of me talking. <laughs> we love each other unconditionally. My present four-legged friends are my grand dogs and nieces. There's Jack and Abby and baby... Well, baby kitty's my kitty, all right. And there's Izzy and Axel and Sandy and Etta and BB are my nieces. I love my animals. Thank you. We've come to the part in the service where we remember and honor our beloved pets that are no longer with us. If you'll stay in your seat and call the name of your beloved pet, Susan will light a candle. And when the candles are all lit, we'll have a moment of silence. There's probably nobody here that hasn't experienced the loss of a pet. Some never get another. Others quickly get another, not as a replacement, but because we must. My thought about pets is that they are God's way of being with us in the physical form. Of course, we have our people friends and our people family. And yes, God is with us in spirit always. But how many times has it been an animal that is there for you to hold, to stroke, to look in your eyes, to listen when no one else is there? Those dark nights of the soul, when all looks hopeless and no people person is there. How many times have you been sick or in pain and your animal cuddles up close, pressing his or her body against the very body part of yours that is in pain? I believe pets are animals with fur. No, I said that wrong. <laughs> I believe pets are angels with fur or scales, or feathers, God touching us. Most animals don't live as long as people. And so, if you love an animal, chances are you will at some point have to say goodbye. I don't know which is harder, nursing an ailing pet, watching them slowly weaken, and eventually having to make that final decision for them. 
or finding your beloved pet just a few feet from the back door, cold and still, knowing that their final wish was to make it home to you, or going to the door at your pet's usual come home time and they're not there. And so you check again and again and again. And then you put out flyers, you post signs, and you check with the pound daily for weeks with that gnawing in your stomach. Goodbye is goodbye, and it hurts, no matter what form it takes. But I believe that it is God that comes to us in our pets. And when we say goodbye, he is delighted to come to us again in another fur, scale, or feather package. Um, I was asked to speak today um, probably because of my vocation, my chosen vocation um, as a veterinarian. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate it. And this time I'm going to tell you a story. I'm, I am a veterinarian. I'm also a scientist. Um, I'm a real believer in concrete, uh, fact-based, um, clinically uh, shown um, things to me are things that I can hang my teeth on. So this is a story about something that I can't figure out how it happened, but I have a feeling that some spirit knows why. My husband and I and my family lived in Virginia, in Virginia Beach, and we lived at the end of a cul-de-sac. And this cul-de-sac uh, was not really that animal friendly. <laughs> so, um, and we were renters. And uh, but we lived in a home and we had our dogs and we had our three cats and we had our bird and our lizard and our fish. And um, we, uh, you know, our most of our neighbors didn't have anything. And some, you know, wanted manicured lawns. So I used to panic every time my cats would venture out the front door as opposed to the back door. And I didn't want them to leave Scooby snacks on anybody's lawn and them having to be afraid and concerned and hear about it. So one day I hear a knock on the door. And I go to the door, and there's this beautifully well-groomed, slightly overweight Airedale. So I'm looking around, trying to figure out, where'd you come from, Mr. Airedale? He's a boy, Airedale. And so I said to Stuart, there's an Airedale on the porch. And he said, we don't need another dog. <laughs> and I said, well, what am I supposed to do with Airedale? On? And he, was, he looked a little tired, and he was panting. And so I said, I said, well, let me go to the neighbors. Maybe somebody's visiting. So I knocked on every door of my cul-de-sac, and nobody knew where this Airedale came from. And having, you know, people, you know, we walk our dogs, so we know every person that owns a dog like we do in our neighborhood now. And I didn't ever see an Airedale. So I knew it wasn't from our particular neighborhood. So I waited about 20 minutes, gave it a little water, and he kept looking at me. And, of course, it's a Saturday, and there's no shelters, and there's no place to call. So... 
I said to him, well, we'll just have to keep the Airedale. And he said, I don't know if Blanca's going to like that. And I said, well, I'm sure we could figure something out. So I said, well, why don't we just take a walk with the Airedale? Maybe somebody's looking for them. And if we walk out of our cul-de-sac and we walk around, somebody will, will be able to see this Airedale. And they had a collar on, but didn't have any tags. And that's my big thing is even if you do get your dog or cat chipped, Without a tag, I can't tell you where their home is. And I pick up every dog every time we wait for the bus and I see a dog visit us. If it has a tag on, I can get it home. But if it has a chip in it, I can't help you until I find somebody who has a chip reader. So um, here I am. We're taking a walk. And I said to him, well, let's cross this street. And he said, well, at least that's a four-lane road. It's like our Ellerby out here. And I said, but Stuart, nobody on this side owns an Airedale. We know that. So we walk across the street. All of a sudden, coming down a side street is these lights, and they're flashing. And somebody jumps out of their car, and they're running to us. And I say, is this your dog? Is this your I was so excited. And she goes like this. And I said, is this your dog? And she, and she picks out a pad, and she begins to ride on the pad. The car follows up, and he's going. And I'm looking, and I'm not exactly sure what's going on. And she said, they just moved here. They were both deaf. Their dog got out the back door, and they'd been searching for it for a day. Now, Virginia Beach is pretty congested next to living here in Shreveport. And I turned to her, and I said, where do you live? And she said, down there and up there. And I said, I wrote back to her, and I said, well, I live across these four lanes over there. It must have been at least a mile up this road, and your dog came to my porch and I last thing, thing I wrote is, and I'm a veterinarian. And she said, he found you. God sent him there. So somebody believes in fact-based medicine. Stuart and I never could quite recover how that dog knew to stay on my porch and knock on my door to get home. Thanks. Animals live in our homes, they sleep on our windowsills, they graze rhythmically in our pastures and follow us on quiet padded feet, or sometimes not so quiet padded feet. We provide them comforts of shelter, food, and affection, and they offer us love and unconditional contentment. Let us thank them for this precious gift, and let us be reminded of our duty not only to them, but also to their wild cousins who pull the nectar from large blossoms, who lie in chocolate-colored mud and wait for the flutter of wings or the silent movement of fins. They, too, are dependent upon us to preserve their homes of forests, deserts, and oceans, our common world of nature and ecology. We'll at this time (laughs) have the blessing of the animals. And if you've come here today without your pet and you would like to help us bless the animals, you're more than welcome to come forward. We have words for you to say, or you can certainly say your own words. Um.